everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I am Catherine Druckmann. Joining me is Doc Searles. And also joining us is Petros Katupis, who you know from many, many previous episodes. Before we get started, I wanted to remind everyone that we started a newsletter. If you got the first issue, awesome. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, and if you haven't, sign up at reality2cast.com on the newsletter sign up link and you'll start getting them and we look forward to uh, putting them out so today we're, we're kind of going over our weekly reading list for for lack of a better explanation and there are a few things that are on our mind and have sort of piqued our interest one of them is the recent executive order geared toward regulating social media and the most recent news that Ajit Pai of the FCC has indicated that he has the green light from the FCC's general counsel to clarify Section 230 of the Communications Act, which is, you know, has a lot of, a lot of uh, the tech community rightly concerned, um, and a somewhat related intertwined issue is the relationship between journalism and, and social media. So, you know, if you, if the goal by the current FCC, for example, is to regulate social media as if they are a media outlet. What we'd like to do is unpack wh whether or not they are, because, you know, I personally don't think they are. And, and I think uh, the three of us have a, a few <laughs> strong opinions about yeah. that. And, and, and we'll get into that. So let's, so let's, let's figure this out. Let's figure out the relationship between the, the tech giants like Google and Facebook and traditional media for example, the New York Times. You know, I think they're 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 certainly not the same, and and I think there's a danger in in, uh, in assuming that they are similar. So, what do you think about that? Well, um, I guess I could jump in because I've probably yelled more about this than <laughs> either of the other two have. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the executive orders. I understand it, and I risk being wrong about this because I think it came out in what May. Something like that? Is that the one we're talking about? Trump's, Trump's one of his too many executive orders that went out earlier this year, and he's just trying to uh, clear the space to saying whatever the hell he pleases on, on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, or yeah, mostly that, on Twitter. that was in May, yeah. Yeah, um, well, I, I, quite aside from the fact that um, Trump is being Trump here, and we all know what that's about, whether, no, whether we like him or not, we know what that's about. There's no mystery there as to what he's trying to do what um i i but as a journalist i you know i've i have to tell you i mean it's, it isn't just facebook and google i mean facebook and google actually play two roles here one is they are places on the web and in our lives through other products um that occupy a significant part of our lives or many people's lives but they're not the whole damn thing uh and I mean, we don't spend all of our time searching on Google and being on Google Maps and 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 being on Facebook. We're in a lot of other places, and that's where the other role that Google and Facebook play, Google especially, which is that it's the back end for the way an awful lot of advertising gets routed. And the way an advertising is largely routed, as we've learned on earlier Reality 2.0s and from following Augustine Fu and me and other people who write about this and talk about this, um, you know, we're tracked everywhere and, and um, 
and is a really inefficient but highly complex system that Google is in the middle of at the back end of, at the back end of this that's busy guessing at what we might want to see, or not what we want to see, but what ads could be aimed at our eyeballs. Um, aside from the fact this is an awful system, most of that actually doesn't go out through Google. <laughs> it actually goes out to the rest of the web. It goes through the New York Times. It goes to the Wall Street Journal. It goes to Breitbart. It goes to Business Insider. It goes to a zillion publications and all, all the world's blogs, all the world's blogs that are supported by advertising. And, and those aren't the only companies in it. Adobe is in there in a huge way. So is so is Amazon. And Amazon can brag better on what they're, on how effective they are because they know how you shop and they can aim some ads based on that. And they make big profit on that and they make small profit, as I understand it, in, in their ordinary retail and even in AWS. Um, and some people, I hope, will dispute me on that, but the, the fact remains that they're in the ad business too and they can claim to be better at aiming this stuff than, than others are. What does this do to journalism? Well, the main thing that happened to journalism and happened to us at Linux Journal is that, um, as I put it in advertising sweet and chaff or separating advertising sweet and chaff and an essay I put up several years ago, Madison Avenue fell asleep, direct marketing ate its brain and it woke up as an alien replica of itself. What happened is that most of the advertising we see online is actually direct marketing. It is not advertising. Advertising is what taught me that 15 minutes will save me 15% with Geico. And there's such a thing called Ford Tough and that I'm in good hands with Allstate and a lot of other things like that, that are, that's real branding. That has made almost all the brands known to the world. And that is not tracking based advertising, which has not made a single brand known to the world. They are very, very different. Just, it's just that they look the same. And, what happened with journalism is that the, the sponsorship that supported journalism is, is, you know, went away because you could, you could track the Wall Street Journal's reader and then hit them at Breitbart because they're just aiming at eyeballs, right? That's the, that's the main thing. That's what Don Marty said. He's one of our uh, prior, probably our, one of our best um, prior editors in chief, and he's been all over this case. And is working with Consumer Reports now and was at Mozilla for a long time. He knows his stuff around this. It, it's a really complicated story. But the main thing is the sponsorship went away. And that, in a real sense, is what killed Linux Journalists, what kills a lot of other publications. And the only, because we didn't want to take tracking-based advertising. So if you're going to take tracking-based advertising, you stay in business. Tim Huang just came out with a book or is coming out with a book maybe today. He's another colleague um, of mine. Uh, called subprime attention crisis, where he says the whole thing is a bubble, it's about to burst. Anyway, my point, and this is kind of like my main point, I don't mean to filibuster here. My main point is that it isn't any of this stuff that's killing journalism. It's the freaking internet and digital technology itself, because the internet supports everything, absolutely everything. It's like gravity. It's like blaming gravity for for running or something. And everybody could be a journalist now. That is what Social media is enabled in an, at an early state. You know, anybody could be a journalist. Anybody can take their phone and they can shoot pictures of things, bad things being done. George Floyd, for example, was made possible, not so much by social media, but by the fact that smartphones have, have journalistic equipment on them. All of us can be journalists. And that means all of the publications of the world were no longer in charge of things. And what Matt, what, no, there's another thing. I don't know if we're talking about Matt Stoller's piece or not, but anyway, um, that's yeah, another piece we'll yes. talk about. But <laughs> we'll get there. Everybody wants policy to solve this. It won't. So that's my 
that's my thing. It's the internet, folks. It's not social media. So, so you bring up Matt Stoller's article, and I'll, I'll link to it in our description. Um, in an editorial in the New York Times, he wrote that tech companies are destroying democracy and the free press. Um, and, you know, it's a bold statement. It's not altogether untrue, I guess. Um, but it's, it yeah. might be problematic as well. I mean, I think, so, so one of the things, you know, one of the, the sort of core ideas, I think, in his editorial is that he treats tech companies like utilities or social media platforms like utilities. And I think there's a danger in that. And we've talked about that a little bit offline. You know, my personal feeling is that it's not so much that, you know, going back to the, the executive order. Um, and, you know, there was a quote from uh, the head of the FCC saying, uh, I believe, let me read it. Social media companies have a First Amendment right to free speech, but they do not have a First Amendment right to a special immunity denied to other media outlets such as newspapers and broadcasters. Well, to me, you know, that's, 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 a, that's a comparison that just doesn't, that, that doesn't make any sense, holds zero water. Comparing a social media platform to a media outlet completely confuses the idea of a content creator versus just a communication platform. I mean, to me, that would be like going after the printing press manufacturer for the content of the newspaper. So to me, that's yeah. a better analogy. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the idea of talk, talking about it as a utility, frankly, because utilities are regulated. Yeah, I see um, it more as a vehicle. I mean, that's, it, it helps you, it helps a person get their voice out, right? Um, but they're not, they shouldn't be held responsible for that yeah, how, voice. How could they be? So, so part of this executive order is going after, you know, section 230. Well, section 230, they, they seem to focus primarily on this good Samaritan thing that, that basically they're saying platforms like Twitter and Facebook are taking advantage of uh, the good Samaritan reporting part of section 230 but they seem to kind of ignore the, the fundamental, like the, the, the previous <laughs> and, and uh, more significant, I would say, part. A, a lawyer once told me that word order matters. Whatever is mentioned first, you know, is the most important thing in a legal document. So the beginning of Section 230 is about liability. So if you go after Section 230, you're, going, you're trying to make platforms liable for other people's content, which goes back to my analogy yeah. about the printing press. If you make, if, so if you make those, if you make Twitter liable for what I post or what you post or what any politician posts or what any, you know, conspiracy theorist posts, they, they just would have to cease to exist. They can't possibly be held liable for that. I mean, it, it I understand that there, there seem to be going after this in a free, from a free speech perspective but on, on the other hand that that makes zero sense to me because if you again if you you want to hold a platform liable then you're shutting down speech completely it's not you know that doesn't suddenly allow everybody to you know freedom from any perceived censorship on the part of twitter that actually means that twitter has to just shut down because yeah, it, you know, they're going to get sued because you know somebody posted well i you know i cured myself of COVID by drinking a gallon of bleach. <laughs> and so I go, well, hey, Twitter, I read it on Twitter. So, so, you know, I'm, you're therefore responsible for that content. 
So anyway, well, I wondered what y'all thought about all of that. I'll just, I'll try to be quick this time. That's a good analogy. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, trying to stop uh, the, the inventors of the printing press to, you know, movable type, holding movable t- uh, type uh, liable for everything else. I mean, I, I forget who said it, but, you know, free speech belongs to anybody who can buy their ink by the barrel. I think it was uh, Mark Twain, maybe it was. But anyway, but what happens now is that free speech belongs to anybody who can get their pixels you know, and their bits for free. And by the way, that's anybody. And whether, whether they get those bits from Facebook or Twitter or from their own server, it makes no difference. It's the fact that bits are abundant and the ability to arrange them into, into voice and text is more or less infinite and anybody can do it anywhere. And, and that's really where, where we're at. And, and blaming the big technology companies for ruining democracy and ruining journalism or in the case of Trump with this executive order saying that, you know, it's, we need to, you know, change the regulatory apparatus for these big companies so that, so that I can tweet without, without, you know, fear of censorship is, is ludicrous. Find another place. I mean, an interesting thing is, I mean, if Trump had set up his own non-Twitter thing in the White House and said, here's White House, you know, I'm going to take whitehouse.gov and it's going to be nothing but me saying shit for the next four years. Have you done that in the beginning? He'd still have like, you know, millions of people following that. You know, he could have used RSS and have it syndicated into everybody's inbox. I mean, there's no, nothing to have stopped that. And, you know, he chose to use Twitter. Fine. You know, but regulating them is, 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 is a mistake in my opinion. I agree. Well, he chose, yeah. he chose Twitter for the same reason that a lot of people choose Twitter. It's, it's where the people are. You go, you know, you go to the people that you want to reach. So. And it's easy, you know, I mean, it's easy. It's easy. You want to set something up on Facebook. It's really easy to do. Well, I, I, I might argue that actually, but. Depends on what you want to set up. Yeah. It's even much easier on Twitter, right? You have uh, limited characters that you can, uh, that you can type and you can get away with misspelling things. Yeah, but you can't edit it. That's the thing. Yeah, know? that's that's the biggest that's problem. A bummer. You get yourself in real hot water. You, you can delete them, you know, but then it's remembered somewhere. I exactly. Think, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not, like, not like it's gone. I mean, they yeah. can still dig up tweets from so-and-so, right? That uh, was probably deleted years ago. I mean, we read uh, these scandals with a lot of these like Hollywood celebrities or any other celebrity where all of a sudden, you know, we've discovered that six years ago they said something about yeah you know whatever it can yeah. uh, you know the, the internet preserves everything well it, it's yeah, also a whiteboard you, you know i mean there's some things that um have been written and they've utterly disappeared you know i mean a lot of it has utterly disappeared um the internet archive is trying to do a good job and i think they do to some degree but an awful lot of it is live i mean look at at vine or you know snapchat i mean that's that's all whiteboard i mean what's left of vine at this point you know well i suppose the reality is that the content that we want to never disappear does or frequently does often and then often it uh, does. Yeah. and then the stuff we don't ever want seen again is is indelible yeah yeah frustrating um you know, my uh, my wife is also involved in Linux Journal, but is not very public, so name her. Um, I th- thinks that this period in history is going to be- disappear. I mean, because it's all digital, it's all volatile. Um, it's there as long as somebody, if, you know, if the Internet Archive doesn't 
rescue it. It's gone. But even that is not permanent. It's a bunch of drives, right? So somebody wipes out all those drives and all the backup drives, it's gone too. Uh, you know, yeah. that a thousand years from now, we'll look back and say, what happened in the early 2000s? Well, it's all gone. We don't know. You know, we, we stored it in digital, in digital form and nobody can read that now. What, what was that? Well, same as how many people, you know, early on uh, switching over from uh, film to digital cameras have lost all of their photos because we didn't, just, we had no concept yeah. of backing it up or. I was just going to mention no. that. Yeah. It, it's like uh, taking your old vinyls and then converting them to, you know. Yeah. Just melting them down. You know, yeah. it's like, taking I, could, I old, used the, I needed the vinyl for something else. And it, it's like when uh, I converted my parents, um, uh, whole movies from, uh, VHS to okay, I, I, I got that top. I converted my my parents had home movies on sixteen millimeter and then eight millimeter uh, film through the like early sixties from the thirties through the early sixties. They were all north from the thirties, and and we included my parents in Alaska and stuff like that. That's where they met, and and I took that and converted all of them to VHS tape. Had it done professionally to VHS tape. Then we played the VHS tape and recorded my mother in vivid stereo on a stereo recorder with stereo mic um, onto cassettes. And I've wanted to merge those two together in a digital form. I can't even find the tapes at this point. I don't know where they are. And they're probably in a hot garage someplace getting ruined. Who knows? I mean, this, I've, I've tried to play a lot of tapes. So we're on Zoom right now. So the rest of you, if you're hearing this, you can't see it, but I've got a four track reel to reel deck behind me and everything I've tried to play on it goes, <laughs> the thing needs to be fixed and probably won't be. So it's lost. For a, a plug for Floss Weekly. If they watch the video of Floss Weekly, they can see your cool. Yeah, they can, see, they can see that in my background <laughs> yeah, on, on Floss Weekly. Yeah, um, that, it's true. So if you so, want to see um, things that don't work, go there. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to uh, Matt Stoller's, you know, editorial, there is there's one part that I thought that I thought I, I would uh, pull out. Um, these two phony Facebook pages illustrate. He's referring to uh, some Facebook accounts that were removed. They were allegedly run by Ukrainians, um, and Anyway, they, they've been removed uh, because they violated Facebook's policy. Um, but the quote is, he goes on to say, uh, these two phony Facebook pages illustrate the crisis of the free press and democracy. Advertising revenue that used to go to quality journalism is now captured by big tech intermediaries. And some of that money now goes to dishonest, low quality and fraudulent content. Well, I can't, you know, I, I find no fault with that statement. It seems, you know, pretty pretty reasonable. But I wondered, you know, given this problem that, you know, like you say, sponsorship dried up a bit, the money went toward, you know, display advertising, tracking, that sort of thing. Um, given that, how, how do you bring back old fashioned, let's call it quality journalism? given that people want to spend ad budgets on these massive networks, whether it be through Google or as you pointed out earlier, Adobe or Amazon or Facebook or, or whatever, 
given that so, you know, so much money is going there, how do you redirect it? Is it, is that, I mean, the question is, do yeah. people want quality journalism? I mean, we've gone to a point oh, where that's a scary conversation, with, but worth having, you know, just, just going back to Twitter, you know, people get their news via these micro blogging platforms. I mean, they'd rather get a few sentences, if that at a time, and that's their news. I mean, do we want, and I don't mean you and I, and well, I no, I, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. Although I would argue that I have a pretty well curated list of people I follow. For example, um, you know, I, on Twitter, I have very specific lists of people, not necessarily even through my personal account, through even the podcast account. I find the people that we're following through the podcast account. If I log into that account, I find that, you know, the quality of the information shared there is incredibly high and incredibly valuable to me. So, so, but, <laughs> you know, that do I assume that everybody is heavily curating their, their list in the same way? No, I do not. I, you know, I, um, you know, everybody, self-select you know to their own biases and and that can get um well that can get a little bit iffy <laughs> yeah and it's and it also boils down to perception right you said you said it yourself just now you follow a you know curated list of high quality materials but there could be somebody else on the other side right. of the spectrum that believes the same thing Right. But their curated list could be full of misinformation, but to them, it's high quality. I mean, it's, it's, it's. But Petros, I know better. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm looking here at, um, I'm looking at my, my Twitter feed as it were. And, and I've hardly, I'm, I, I think of my list as of who I'm following as curated, but it's over 5,000 people. And I've got 25,000 followers, which is meaningless because, I hope I'm one of those people, Doc. You are a, a, a you probably, I don't know, I assume so, but I, I don't know. I mean, but here's the thing. I, as I go down, I, you know, I see some music. I see some tech. Um, here's some more tech. Here's a weird thing about an owl in a plane. Uh, here's, of course, is reality 2.0. <laughs> um, here's something Apple did. Uh, here's another, you know, f you know, about this web. But most of it's about the webcast, the webcasts I'm on or the, those kind of things. It's, you know, and then about fires because I've covered fires and sports. There's something about sports. And, you know, because I never use the T word, you know, I mean, on, on there, if somebody I like is busy writing um, only about, I could say it here, only about Trump or only about politics, I just either stop following them or I just hurry past, you know, so I'm not, I'm not seeing them, you know, and that it, I've got a similar thing going on in Facebook, but on Facebook, mostly I'm in groups and the groups are weirdly have no advertising in them at all. And I realize it's because I kind of self-selected there and I don't want to see any targeted advertising. So I'm not seeing it. And I've got the sort of the privacy stuff cranked up all the way. So I guess that eliminates me as a, as a target. Um, which is, you know, weird, but I mean, and good, I think. I, I, I don't know. It's, I, and an interesting thing here is that there is a way, there, there is a way forward 
for preserving the journals that are successful. And I should point out the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, the Atlantic, um, you know, lots of, lots of reputable journalistic enterprises are doing just fine, you know, so it's not, and, and they're doing it more and more with subscription. Subscription is the hot thing right now. Um, and, and for that matter, on podcasts, if we're willing to read live ads like I do on Floss, um, uh, we can, and we get big enough here on this podcast, we'll start doing that. And that's the old fashioned way. That is the oldest way to do advertising there is. You know, the, the host kind of endorses the product and the product supports the host and, you know, and the guests and it's all there. And um, even if you're, you know, but it's still contextual, you know, it's, and, and that's the big thing. It's contextual ads. You're, you're doing sports. We're going to give you car ads. We're going to give you tire ads. We're going to give you ads for deodorant. We're going to give you ads for, for fitness products. And because that's, that's roughly the audience you're looking for and you can make a brand that way. But it's an open question for me whether or not you can make a brand on something that's as small as your phone. I'm not sure you can. I think it's something as big as your TV you can when you're eating up 30 seconds or 60 seconds of somebody's time, but maybe not on your little thing where you can hit fast forward. All the podcasts I listen to, basically, I hit, I hit the 30 second jump forward, jump forward, jump forward, jump forward. Joe Rogan, for example, has like seven minutes of ads at the beginning of his podcast. And he just sold for $100 million. But I wonder how many of his listeners are just hitting that fast forward, you know, 14 times. A fair, a fair number, but enough gets through. I think, yeah. I think going, not to go back to our last week's conversation, but, um, you know, I, I, I think the nature of the way that people listen to podcasts sometimes, let's say during a workout or driving or while they're doing something else, I think that lends itself to the the kind of you know pre-roll sponsorship advertising because you know when people are sometimes just too distracted like when i used to listen to a lot of podcasts while driving i would i'm not gonna you know whip out my phone while i'm driving and fast forward to the to the ads i'm just gonna let them play and you know no no big deal um yeah, yeah. I, I think that that might be you know an, an advantage of the medium just the, again not no well, the for medium a walk but, last but the way night. people listen to it yeah I mean, during the, um, I'm sorry, there's a leaf blower in the background there. I don't hear it. Doing a podcast attracts leaf blowers. So it <laughs> it's true, or dogs um, outside. Yeah, when, oh, it does. It does. Uh, yeah. Either that or chainsaws or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was, uh, I, I decided, okay, I'll go for my evening walk and listen to either Trump or, or Biden on ABC and NBC they were. And I couldn't get an ABC radio station on my phone but I could get an NBC one, so I, or whichever one it was. Oh, an ABC one had, uh, had Biden. So I heard part of Biden's town hall. And then when they broke for ads, I turned around, I was headed home. It took the whole walk home. It was like, I don't know how many minutes of ads they had in a row, probably four, which is eight ads. But it seemed like freaking forever, you know, because I had to listen through the whole thing to wait for it to come back on. And that was interesting to me. I mean, you know, I mean, are we going to put up with that forever? I kind of feel like maybe not. I don't know. What about you, Petros? Do you put up well, with that? <laughs> That's how it's always been, though. You know, I remember yeah. the, uh, you know, the days before the DVR and uh, waiting, waiting until the uh, commercial break to to run and use uh, the bathroom. I, I, 
you know, it's funny because I have the same conversation with my, my children. You know, they're like, is this live? Can you fast forward this? No, I can't fast forward it. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to sit down and, and sit through these ads. But uh, yeah, specifically to the debate yesterday, I, I, instead of sitting down and, and, and just, you know, forcing ourselves to watch the ads, we, we would flip back and forth between both town halls during uh, the, you know, during the commercial breaks. I, I just, I can't tolerate it anymore. I, we've gotten so accustomed to, at least in this household, to not want to, to watch commercial breaks to the point where either one will either flip the channel during them or two, if we can't fast forward uh, and we want to watch something live, we'll start watching it 15 minutes later, just so we don't have to mm. deal with watching the commercials. And even on radio, you know, I, I will just change the station. Uh, fortunately things like Sirius XM or whatever have fewer and shorter. That's uh, right. That's true. Yeah. And they, and they, and they know, I think, I mean, it's, I'd be really interested in the numbers. I'm sure they'd never revealed them, but I know from talking to people, for example, at NPR, if you're using say their pot, their, their NPR one app on your phone, what used to be called NPR one, it's actually reporting back, not what you're doing as a person, but this user, again, it's anonymized, you know, skipped over this, didn't skip over that. They know, they know what people jump around. They know when they crank it up to one and a half speed or something like that because of, you know, like, like the Daily or the New York Times is a guy named Michael Barbaro who does this. It's always, welcome to the Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. He's so slow. I can easily listen to him at 2x speed. No problem. But if his guest is on and they're talking fast, I have to slow it down. But, you know, we we value our time, right? And we haven't figured this out yet. I mean, that's another point here, you know, is, you know, we haven't figured it out. Actually, it's, it's funny um, that even, even in journalism, I will open up a, a news page or, you know, something, a web page. And because of the time taken for that advertisement to load, sometimes that page does not render well or does not load in a timely manner. I usually give it five seconds. If it doesn't open, then I shut the entire page down and move on. I mean, this is, like you said, it, it's, we value our time. I'm not just going to, we've gotten so accustomed to just, you know, uh, bypassing a lot of this noise that we just don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah, but then, but then we get, you know, it, it's sort of, it is interesting how people orient to that. There was a really great show uh, called Defending the Caveman uh, back in the early 90s uh, by getting Rob Becker. And it, it turned out, it got franchised. So there were, he was, he's a comedian and he talked about, uh, it was all about men and women or men versus women. And his case was that women were still gatherers and men were still hunters. Only men at that time you know, what women would gather was details. What men wanted to do was kill things with spears, only they didn't have spears anymore. They now had remote controls for their TV. And women would look at the TV and like the, what's on and men would, because it's before DVRs and things, and men would look at TV as like, get that off my TV, get that off my TV, get that off my TV. This is what we have with my wife and me. I mean, she will, she watches the evening news shows. She jumps around. 
And she tolerates the ads, she doesn't really care. I mean, they run, they run right through like four minutes of ads. I pick up the remote control and I want to kill off every one of them because I want them out of my room. I, this is get that off my TV, get that off my TV, get that off my TV. And she's amused by that, that I'm, and I know there are four minutes of ads and I can jump for 30 seconds, eight times. I go click, 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 you know, eight clicks. And then there we are, you know, getting back into whatever it is on the new show. Um, but it's part, I mean, in her case is tolerating them. I don't think she's curious about them. She just kind of tolerates them. But I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm very much the caveman that wants to th- throw spears into those things and, and get them off my TV. And there's some listeners right now are saying, no, you're being sexist and all that. But blame Rob Becker and go look at that show. So scanning back through, through our conversation about you know, the, the Stoller article we were looking at, no, I'm just I'm just going back to the the utility idea. I'm like, well, I mean, it, 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 since you brought it up, um, a friend from uh, Indiana University, Barbara Cherry, who um, is of high repute on these things, I'm looking for her email, which I think I shared with you guys um, mm-hmm. on this thing. Uh, maybe maybe. Uh, I, we were talking to her this morning, but I missed most of the conversation because it was going between meetings online. Uh, but. What did she say? Uh, I'm trying to rewind back through it. But anyway, her point was that, um, you know, that that um, these things are not utilities. Utilities, the government will tell you what's a utility. Electricity is a utility. The phone is a utility. I don't even know if the phone is, but the, but a, you know, gas is a utility. These are, these are things that are, um, they're government mandated and they're regulated as utilities. And, we can call Facebook a utility, but it's not. It's just, it's just a, it's a website and we use it and it's got, it's an app and some other things, but there is nothing permanent about these things. And, and they are especially impermanent and, and in the digital world. I mean, they're, where's MySpace now? I mean, where's Microsoft? I mean, we were going to break up Microsoft in the late nineties and who cares about it now? You know, Microsoft is like the biggest contributor or one of the biggest to the Linux foundation and they were fighting Linux. They called it a cancer or something like that way back then. Yeah, yeah. The world yeah. changes, you know. I mean, it's it's the, you know, the, it, 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 you know, Jeffrey West wrote about this uh, and why why companies fail and and cities live. You know, the internet's a city. It's got everything in it, and it's going to live just fine. But but um, you know, Facebook and I mean, remember what when, when you know we talk about you know social media killing journalism remember when you know it was when shopping malls killed downtown well shopping malls didn't kill downtown they didn't kill main street the car did (laughs) you know i mean it's the original main streets are made for carriages and horses and people walking around and you know and we brought that back with you know turning downtown into shopping malls and, and pedestrian plazas and stuff like that but now the shopping malls are being killed by the by amazon you know, or being repurposed by Amazon. And, you know, and the big box stores played in that too, but Amazon kind of half killed the big box stores. And now, now Walmart is in the same business, right? And it, it all shifts. There's nothing permanent about any, any of these things. Uh, and I'd, I'd rather rely on nature to, um, you know, to, you know, to, to deal with these things. Um, so, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> see what it, let let the vines grow on it and let see the what vines survives. Go, but, but, but nature's <laughs> slow. I mean, nature is slow. Uh, but and again, digital nature is still really young. We're, you know, in the digital world, it's to me, it's like you know, five minutes after the Big Bang, and we have a few light elements and and no galaxies, you know, and no heavy elements. The the, the whole periodic table isn't filled out yet. And it'll be a lot bigger than a periodic table when it's done. It's almost like we haven't learned our lesson when we, uh, when we broke apart the bell companies with your AT&Ts and. Yeah. Well, so, so that's an interesting. Really good. It's a great point. Yeah. So, well, so, you know, again, we were talking about the analogy, uh, you know, to utilities, but maybe all of these analogies are just, you know, a desperate grasp because it, it is so early and we just don't understand it. And that, you know, I don't know who that collective we is, but the we, whoever it is, doesn't understand it well enough. So we, so anytime somebody writes about, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever struggle they perceive um, is, is rooted in internet technology uh you know there's this need to explain it in terms of something they do understand like you know utilities or printing presses or whatever it is but maybe this is all just you know a symptom of our lack of understanding you know maybe we need to stop trying to to make you know those kind of analogies and actually figure out what the hell it is you know like maybe we need to really figure out what facebook is doing figure out what Twitter is it, doing and figure so out. Hard. I know well, it's it, too hard. We're, nobody well, can it, figure it out. It, so, I mean, to, to, to Petros's point about breaking up AT&T, that was a really, that was, that did a lot of good back in 1984. It really did. I mean, we really did need to break up this thing that was incredibly powerful. And, uh, but what we ended up as, is kind of the sources of apprentice. We got a whole bunch of the same thing from a bunch of different companies. And, and, and a lot of history happened after that. We, I, I won't go into but the, but what, what happened with the, with the internet, especially with the web, was that the internet and the web were like a Trojan horse that got wheeled into, especially the PTTs, which were the AT&Ts of Europe, which are far more powerful in many ways than AT&T was because they were, they were state utilities. You know? And along comes a bunch of hydrogen physicists who say, We've got, we have a way of sharing documents. What do you say we use this protocol, um, HTTP on on TCPIP and run through your pipes and don't pay for anything because we're just a bunch of high energy physicists. And they said, okay, you know, and that was the Trojan horse that had the web in it. And ultimately they made more money because of the internet. Right. But, but still never fully understood it. I still don't think they understand it. And, and I think that, you know, we've seen this with open source and free software. I mean, like on, I wouldn't say who it was, but I mean, on, on a recent floss show, it was pretty clear to me anyway, that the, that the guest wasn't really getting what the GPL was about or the AGPL or, you know, these other things. And, and, and it's very hard for people to get what the GPL is about. It's very hard for them to get that, you know, giving people freedom and, and protecting the, the openness of this code along with the freedom that rides on it has some really major advantages. But if you're basically looking to make money off of something and it's by selling the code or access to the code or something else like that, you can't see it at all. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I look at what, you know, look at what China's doing, look at what Europe's doing with, 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 with trying to, you know, with the, with the, 
um, regulating privacy and in California regulating privacy. I think uh, I'll probably end up voting, I think, for Prop 24 here in California, but it's horrible. And I think <laughs> what the GP, uh, the GDPR, not to be confused with the GPL, very different, but the, the GDPR and the CCPA have done, have created a, what, a, a billion dollar business in compliance to, to you know, the consent regulations um, that do nothing more than perpetuate exactly what the law was meant to meant to stop and 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 inconvenience the entire web by putting these these completely pointless i mean these these completely misleading uh compliance notices on the front of every website it's awful and and that's again that's policy at work so um, but that seems but to anyway, be the, the go-to. I mean, every, that's it is. That's well, everybody, all we have to do, it, our lawyers tell us to do it. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, 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 the whole. Oh my God. You know, it, it's. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, where if we just had better protections on our own as individuals? No, I'm not seeing the goddamn ads. Okay, I'm not seeing them. Done. You know, we had that with adblock. We have that with tracking protection. The browser makers are coming in with it anyway. Why? regulate that when you've got at an individual basis and at a systematic basis with the browsers ways of, of stopping it, just stopping, mm -hmm. it, you know, and because like you say, it's, it's early and we're desperate. <laughs> it's early. And, and while we're waiting around for the Mozilla's yeah. of the world to, to yeah. uh, come out with the next version of their browser that, that adds additional protections, you know, over on the other side, people are, you know, yelling at their congressman, I guess, or, or whatever it is yeah. that, that they're doing that makes the uh, legislators decide that it's, that it's uh, up to them to fix the internet. I don't, I wish I knew why the go-to knee-jerk reaction to there's a problem on the internet is, uh, oh, yeah. it's, let's, I, I let's make, pass some new yeah. uh, laws about it. Well, there was a, one of my favorite early Onion headlines about this was error found on internet. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, techies are on the case. So here's an interesting thing. So since we spoke last, Apple came out with a new, you know, with the iPhone 12. Um, Google fanboys came back and said, wait, now the Pixel 4 and now the Pixel 5 is just as good with the camera. To me, the important thing is that as a photographer, if I have a choice between a new lens or a camera or, or a phone that does a better job than my big, heavy, weighs 10 times as much as a phone SLR. What do I want to get? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that the, that my phone won't do that my camera does, but it's the thing I have with me, right? I have it with me and, and they're getting really good. What I'm seeing now is that the phones, the phone cameras are leapfrogging what you can do with a, with a, a cinema camera, like a red camera or anything. I mean, that's where the science is going. It's going into you know, here's, you know, the tiny, the tiny little, little camera that's inside your phone. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's doing some amazing stuff. And then the software they lay on top of it, it's, and, and again, you know, the, the, the journalism is done with phones. That's not about social media. That is about the phones. It's about the tech that all of us have with us, fully distributed. Every one of us, we can save it back through, we can, do it on Facebook. We can do it on Periscope. We can do it on Snapchat. We can do it on just our own, you know, just pull it into our own servers. All of that stuff is possible. And, and it's this little thing we hold in our hands. To me, that's the, 
that's the that's reality 2.0 that's the digital thing that's happening and it's not just about what these big companies are doing or what government can do to regulate them well don't don't tell the fcc or, or they'll 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 go after oh yeah, no, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the phone manufacturers after they're yeah. done with twitter because obviously obviously it's apple's fault you know whatever gets filmed uh, filmed that's an interesting word it's apple's fault that whatever is recorded with their phone and put on the internet is harmful right Obviously, it's the device then. Well, they, they <laughs> can is the... Yeah, go ahead, Petra. No, I was going to say, it reminds me of the age-old argument, and it doesn't matter which side you, you stand on, how when somebody gets shot... Oh, it's uh, the gun thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's not... Guns don't guns. kill people. People, people kill, people, kill people, right? Yeah. yeah. I, there's a yeah. comedian named Joe Hansen. A few years ago, he said, guns don't kill people. Bullets kill people. You know, and he had this whole funny thing. He says, I've got a handful of bullets in my hand right now. Hold still, I push them into your brain. You know, so, um, you know, whatever. By the way, Ajit Pai, I'm told, and I, haven't, I don't follow him. I'm just looking at him now. Um, is actually a funny guy, I'm told. You know, that, I mean, quite aside from whatever, whatever there is. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm looking down through his thing here. He's got, he's a, I guess he's a Chiefs fan. He's a big Chiefs fan. I have a cousin who is the offensive line coach for the Chiefs, by the way, Andy Heck. And he played for the Chicago Bears, by the way. The Bears, that's for you, Petros. <laughs> he married Thank a you. Chicago girl, too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, interesting fact, although I do not remember his name, so please forgive me, but my neighbor's... Uh, grandfather was on the cover of the first if issue of Sports Illustrated, and they actually have uh, a few copies in their basement, like framed and, and mounted. And I yeah. think they have one of his jerseys and and so on. Um, I don't know, just fun little fact that you just reminded me of. So, so this is a Chicago story. At there's a thing in San Francisco. It used to be anyway. I don't know if it still is anymore. When I lived up there called the black and white ball, it was this formal ball that took place in the streets in like 13 different venues. And it cost like a hundred bucks to go. And you wore a tux or a gown if you're a woman or something fancy. Um, and, and you walked around town, you went to these different venues and you stand there and you'd see, you know, somebody famous singing or something like that. And I'm standing at one of these, I think it was watching Junior Walker of Junior Walker and the All-Stars doing Shotgun or Roadrunner or something. And next to me, standing there, is Mike Ditka. <laughs> Unmistakably Mike Ditka, the, the, at that point already the former coach of the Chicago Bears, you know, himself. So that's my, my De Bears story. Yeah, my, my wife has, her, my in-laws have pictures of them uh, posing with Ditka. <laughs> he got around. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking about, I'm kind of reflecting on all the things we've, we've been talking yeah, about for the last, up on well, hour. almost yeah, yeah. an hour. And I, you know, I'm thinking, I just, you know, I wonder, so we, you know, on one hand, we, we seem to be, you know, have uh, all be of the opinion generally that regulation doesn't doesn't help. It's definitely not the first step or, or the first place you go to, to solve any of these, you know, perceived problems. Um, but it, but on the on the flip side, we also talk all the time about the harm in 
ad tech tracking, you know, privacy violation, which is at the heart of all of these platforms. So, and I just wonder where, you know, where, how do these things fit together? You know, on one hand, do you, do you leave them alone and just let them do their thing? And, and cause, because we, we certainly don't want to treat them like, like a, a media outlet because we don't think that that's what they are. But at this, but on the other hand, they do give bad actors unprecedented access to spread misinformation and, and target groups of people What's the word I'm like mm. at a very granular level? Like you yeah, can, you can you can hack people with them. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can hack people with social media. So so you can hack so their I brains. Just, you know, I, I feel like the next episode is going to have to be the counterpoint to everything we, <laughs> we just said today. You know, I can think of people we could bring on, but and that might be an interesting thing to do. But how do you it, reconcile those two things? It, is well, it, it, every there's a law of tech that says what can be done will be done with it until we figure out what's wrong with it. And then we stop doing that or we try to do less. And I'm not sure we need regulation to do that. I think, you know, with nuclear power, we blew up a couple cities and we never did it again. Um, had some other interesting effects that had to do with world powers and so forth. But, you know, we got more sensible about it. Um, you know, with nuclear power itself, we discovered, wait a minute, what are we going to do with the waste? Well, now we got to think about that. You know, I mean, we're doing, we're sort of fracking, endlessly and at some point maybe when Oklahoma blows up or something you say well maybe we shouldn't have done that uh, who knows you know it's it we we kind of take everything to the limit and that's happening right now with social media I think in the case of Facebook um, it can't fix itself it the way it's made you know it's it's made to maximize engagement what is engagement people respond to something they respond to things that that they like or piss them off you know and then they throw ads in front of that. But if they started doing contextual advertising, I'm not sure it would make much difference because they're still, they're still maximizing engagement, right? So they're still going to get everybody who loves Trump together with other people who love Trump and everybody who hates Trump or loves Biden, which, you know, um, I think is possible. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think he's kind of a blank slate, but, you know, he's the non-Trump. But anyway, um, you know, they tend to gather too, you know, and it's, and it's made for gathering them. And I'm not sure they can fix that. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, that's, years, you know they can't fix that. Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly. I don't, I don't know. I think it's Facebook has been Facebook for far too long and, and maybe some of that cannot be fixed. And also I quickly Googled it and uh, on the cover of the first Sports Illustrated was uh, Milwaukee Braves, great Eddie Matthews. That was that's my neighbor's uh, grandfather. So anyway, moving back to the original topic. That's good. 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 Close that loop. <laughs> yeah, the original topic. <laughs> Important. Print media. <laughs> this is the Eddie Matthews edition. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, so well, so maybe uh, maybe that's where we leave it. Maybe next time, yeah. uh, tune in in the next week or so, and maybe we'll have contradicted everything we said today. <laughs> I <should laughs> or maybe we won't. But I think that's you know try. that's the point. I think I think it's important to have these conversations, and at least I think if people yeah. take one thing away from our episodes, is that <laughs> please think critically about these issues. Everything um, is broken. These, That's it. Nothing can be fixed. Everything you don't have to agree with us. Absolutely. I, I have Please to say, don't agree with us. I, I, love, I, I love that everybody talks about things being broken and they're still using them. So how can they be broken if everybody's still using these things? You know, it's like conversation is broken. I don't think so. We're doing it right now. <laughs> they're just, cool. they're, they're worth investigating. That's all. I mean, we use it. 
the this podcast now has a Facebook page. I resisted it for quite a long time. Yeah, no, I think that was but, smart, you know, and, but, you and know, it's gotten a lot of response. I got to say it has a, yeah. You know, you can call this the Eddie Matthews edition. I have to listen through to the end to find out what that's about. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> I should tell so my neighbors about it. If you're inclined, if you're so inclined yeah. to use the social media, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, although I neglect YouTube a bit. Where else can you find it? Uh, Mastodon? Any uh, Fediverse? I'm trying to think. Where else not are the we? Extinct, not the extinct kind. but <laughs> No, not the extinct kind. Oh, and uh, please sign up with our new on our newsletter for our. New- cool. Please sign up for our. Good job on the first newsletter, by the way. Oh, good. That was I'm good. Glad yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, good I was work. mostly just pointing people at your writing. So. <laughs> well, that's I. You know, there's so much of it out there. It's easy to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll continue to but, do that a little, and and some other things. By the way, I just close this. I was told that I started to lay this even further. It's like Beethoven ending a symphony. He doesn't know how to do it. Um that um, I got a pitch from Quora to um, basically to accept, to, 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 to take money because ads run next to stuff I've written on Quora. Well, my answers on Quora, which I've been putting short answers to things there since 2011, 6,100 views this month, which I don't know what that would, if I sign up, what money that would get me, but that it's more than my blog has had. Do, do you <laughs> you know, have a signature? thing. Does Quora have a signature where you it's can just like plug Searles. things? It's just Doc Searles. Oh, well, that's where you Quora see you plug, you put in a link to the podcast. That's what I should do. I should, <laughs> do. should do. I, I should just like, I should make myself an authority on podcasts and say it's all about, this is one podcast you really need to catch. There it is. Yeah. Step anyway, one, post yeah. on Quora. <laughs> Step two, get visited bazillion yeah. times. Step three, profit. Step three, be around a long time. Leave a big crumb trail. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Well, thanks, everybody. Until next time.